I think this Easter has the possibility of being the most Easterish Easter any of us have experienced. I mean that. I think this might be the most Easterish Easter. What other Easter has the entire world gone into a tomb for a year and then come out in the spring around Easter time? We usually get to Easter and it's like, oh, Jesus was died. He was in it. We, we can't identify with it. I haven't died recently and come out of a tomb. Have you? No, no. But this year we say yes. Someone locked me in my house for like a year. I've been in a tomb. I've been locked down. You get some taste of what that was like to be locked away, to be lost, to be shut away, to be shut down. And then that joy of let's come back out. Let's have the sun rise on Sunday morning. Let's see some smiling faces. Let's celebrate. Like this was the, the Good Friday story. And usually we just listen to it as someone else's experience. But this year we have the possibility of having the most Easterish Easter experience as a globe. I just don't want to miss that opportunity. That's the whole point for this morning. That's the scriptures I want to read. I want us to not miss this opportunity to have this be a defining moment in our lives in the exact same way that Jesus coming out of that tomb was a defining moment in history. If you're going to come alive, then do it right. Don't come out of your tomb and pretend you're still asleep or pretend you're still dead. We're coming out of a world before BC, before COVID. We're coming out of the lockdown, right? Let's not live like we have this last year. Anxious, exhausted, depressed, eating too much, drinking too much, being afraid too much. I don't want to stay there anymore. You guys want to stay there? No. No. But also, if you think back before that, it wasn't like the perfect life before that. Life was not perfect, B.C., were we the Christians that we really dreamt we would be back then a year and a half ago? We're every day living life for the Lord, seeing miracles, having our prayers answered, witnessing, seeing people come to Christ. Were we like thriving back then? No, it was just same old, same old. We were just doing life. So let's not go back. I don't want to go back and I don't want to stay. I want us to rise the way Jesus rose. So the perfect example of this has come to my mind, and I'll just mention it briefly, and I won't give away any spoilers, but how many of you have watched WandaVision? Right, some of us. Okay, for those who like Marvel stuff, I won't give away anything except to say, in this Marvel universe, there was the blip. And then people had to come back after it. Guess what you guys just lived through? Guess what I just lived through? Blip. It was like the human equivalent of the Marvel universe. The blip. We're just in the blip. No, we came back. And some people come back and are disoriented. What do we do now? Some people come back and just like hit the ground running. What will you come back as? Don't stay. The COVID version of you is not the best you. Not for God, not for your family, not for the world, not for any, it's just not. There's no way it could be, it was all locked down. So even if it wasn't like an evil version of you, it wasn't you to your maximum of your potential. I promise. <laughs> But don't go back to what you were before either. Don't, don't, don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. So as with everything, Jesus is our example, right? We look at him, we're like, how did this man, God, man, son of God, Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, how did he do it? Because I want to do it that exact same way. So I want to look at what Jesus looked like after he rose. And I want to take a couple of tips from the master from the Savior, the one who went through death and came out again. And I want us to come out 
of this season just like he did. He came out just like guns blazing, didn't he? He came out and he was appearing to people. He was uh, doing miracles. He was uh, walking through walls. He was showing his hands and his side to people who didn't believe. He just like, there in power, he ascended up into heaven. He sent the whole, like, he didn't come out timid like, oh, that was a really tough experience I had. <laughs> but aren't we going to do that? Man, last year was rough. Wouldn't that be every conversation we have for like the next year? complaining about how bad last year was? Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't, don't. This is an opportunity. I'll talk more about it after we hear from Jesus, but I want you to just think of this as maybe a once-in-a-life opportunity for us in the same way that Jesus' resurrection was a once-in-history opportunity for us all. So if you're going to follow along, we're in John chapter 20, Gospel of John. We're going to read two accounts of people who Jesus appeared to after he rose from the dead. I just want you to observe. For those of you that aren't sure how to study your Bible, there's a great intervarsity technique that's taught to college kids through the intervarsity program. It's observe, interpret, apply. Observe, interpret, apply. So let's just do that together. We just want to observe what has happened here and then think about it. Like, well, what does that mean? Then think about what does it mean? What are we going to do about this? Don't just read it and walk away. You know, that's the man who walks away after seeing his face and immediately forgets what he looked like. So just listen. Let's observe. First John chapter 20, verse 11. This is Mary Magdalene. This is the first person that Jesus appeared to. He was not accidental. This is on purpose. He chose to appear to this woman who had been so lost, been demon-possessed, had been delivered, had been redeemed, had been given her life back. She was also the one that stayed all the way through the cross among a very small handful who did. She's there after the tomb waiting. What's going to happen? What will it be? Who, is he coming back? Is it, what, just She was there. Others were elsewhere. She was there. And this is how Jesus appeared to her. In John chapter 20, verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And then she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Just recognize that thought. She didn't recognize him at first. She did not know that it was Jesus. So, so he said to her, John chapter 20, verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Even Jesus didn't come back the same. He came back changed. Resurrection is a transformation process. It's not just a light switch that goes off and then you come back on the same way that you left. You don't come back the same way that you left. Jesus didn't come back. He came back so changed. Like, who's this? But when he spoke her name, he's like, Mary, I know you. She's like, wait, I know that voice. 
His resurrection transformed him into so much more of a glorious version, into this kind of like put the earthly stuff away and let's see the Son of God for who he is, that she didn't even recognize him. How beautiful would it be if we came back from this last year and we were so glowing with our love for God and each other that people were like, who are you? What happened to you? Because I just suffered for a year and a half, two years. What, like, what, where's your smile? Where's that joy coming from? And we say their name. Like, no, I know you, but you're not the same. Like, what did Jesus have to change from? Was he not good enough before? There's no need for improvement, but tr the resurrection is a transformation process. We're not looking to just restart, reboot, you know, resume life. He didn't. We shouldn't. Begin new. Behold, in Christ, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, in Christ, everyone is a new creation. You're not like the old creation kind of like buffed up a little bit and shined up a little bit. You get made new. The old is gone and the new has come. Let's enter life again, full speed in all of the places we go like that. Amen. So that people don't even recognize us. What a testimony that will be to the world because there's an entire globe of people that are come, going to come limping out of their tomb. They're barely going to make it out. And with all the grief and compassion, some people did not make it out. Some people let the depression and the anxiety and the fear take their life. People lost their lives because they were so hopeless. Let's not be the Christians that just like straggled through and were like climbing out with hands and knees. Like jump out, jump out of the tomb. Just rejoice because God is good and he's taken us. That's the Jesus that I see after the tomb. He wasn't the same. So if he's not the same, he didn't even have anything to get rid of or change or fix, how much more should we? So keep going. John chapter 20, fast forward to verse 24. Here's another one of those moments. So Thomas, one of the 12, we know him as Doubting Thomas, but remember from that sermon a couple months ago, like he's not just a doubter. He's sort of like a realist. Like, I just want to know for myself, can you prove to me? We see lots of other places where he has great faith in Scripture. So he's not this constantly skeptical a sarcastic, sort of doubting person. But in this moment, would you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah, 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 he said it. But would you really believe it? I don't know. I hope I would. But he didn't. But he didn't refuse to believe. He just said, I just want to see for myself. That's fair. For those of us who are here that are like, I, I want to believe, but I don't know how. And I'm not sure what it takes to believe something that's not possible. But I'd like to get there just Ask Jesus, show me. Pray that prayer. Say, Jesus, show me your hands. Show me your feet. Show me your side. He'll show up in your life. He's alive. He's risen. He will. But sometimes we just don't see it, so we don't ask. And you don't receive because we don't ask. So just ask. Thomas asked, and Jesus didn't blame him. He didn't, you know, put the spotlight on him with, in front of all the others and point out how weak his faith was. And He just said, okay, oh, you have a question? Let me answer it for you. So John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, who was called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came and when he showed up the first time. So the other disciples told him, secondhand, right? They told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks place my hand into his side, I will never believe. The way I interpret that is like, I can't. I just can't. I can't believe. I just have to see it. So eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus, 
came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Don't disbelieve. Believe. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. He believed. God just answered his question. He met him there in his doubt. It wasn't too much. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too far. Ask God your questions. He's not afraid of them. You're not going to offend him. Just ask. Let him answer your questions so that you can move forward in faith. And that's what Thomas did. So Thomas's response showed that he did have a believing heart. It was just too hard. <laughs> he wasn't a skeptic at heart. He came around. Verse 28, Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Have you believed because you have seen me? How much more, we could insert there, how much more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed? You know, that's our blessing, right? That's for you guys. That's for me. We haven't seen. We were not there. We're not eyewitnesses. So we're like Thomas who walks into the room after the fact and other people say, this is what I saw. It's even harder to believe when it's secondhand account. But then when you ask Jesus to show up in my life and he does, you're like, ah, my Lord and my God. And that's our step of faith. That we were not there that day, but if we take him at his word, if we pray him at his word, if we love him at his word, it will work because God will show up in our lives in a powerful way. There's nothing better than that. So our experience with Jesus can be one of doubts, can be one of skepticism, but come to him and don't just stay stuck there. What a waste if we just stay stuck when he's like, I'm willing to answer your question, but I want you to ask. Ask me for what you know you need and let me answer your prayer. So how beautiful, right? He, he says to Mary, Mary, I know you. And that's the word that she needed. She needed to know the Jesus who knew her for who she was that, her, as, a, as a person. You know, he didn't miss her. He didn't overlook her. She was one of these like lost people in society. And yet she was precious to him. And so he says her name and her eyes are opened, right? In Thomas's case, he answers his question and his eyes are opened. We're going to back up to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read one more account. So rewind a little bit here. Uh, we're in chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, on, uh, starting with verse 13. So this is the last of the little moments that we're going to look at. Let's not miss what happens here. This is how Jesus came back from the dead. I challenge us to follow his example as we come back from our blip, as we come back from our quarantine, as we come back from our lockdowns. Rise, come awake, come alive. Don't just continue and definitely don't go back. Back is not better. It gets like fanciful in our minds, oh, the good old days. But when you were in the good old days, you didn't think those days were all that good. We just didn't. So let's not put some sort of weird spin on it. Oh, before Corona, life was perfect, was it? Your marriage was perfect, and your relationship with your children was perfect, and your work was perfect, and your health was perfect. Never had any doubts in your faith, and God was moving mountains every day. Like, no. It wasn't my experience or your experience. None of us are where we need to be. We're just kind of journeying there with Christ. So don't go backwards. Here's our third example. Um, Luke 24, 13. So this is actually rewinding. It kind of happens between Mary Magdalene and Thomas. It's in the middle there, very shortly after the resurrection. That very day, two of them, two of the disciples, so followers of Jesus, 
um, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Crucifixion, empty tomb, these sorts of things. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and he went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Third example of people that Jesus shows up to and they don't recognize him. He was changed. He came back different. He was not the same. Been glorified. That's what we're praying for. So their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is uh, this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? They stood still, looking sad, and they stopped walking. And kind of their faces fell. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? So he said to them, what things? They said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened, and some of the women of our company have amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, and when they didn't find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as these women had said, but him they didn't see. And so Jesus says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? So, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is the greatest Bible study ever given. This is Jesus himself teaching everything in the Old Testament that points to him. He's like, you know how Moses did this? Yeah, that was about me. That was about Jesus. And you know the Ten Commandments are like this? Yeah, that's my law. Law of love. It sums it up. And you know how the Jerusalem was here in the nation? Yeah, that's the kingdom of heaven. Foreshadow, foreshadow, connection, connection, parallel. Par he did the whole Bible. Like, it's a pretty long walk, that's fine, and Jesus, I'm sure, is a pretty good teacher, so we could manage it, but I think it's the greatest Bible study ever taught. And those two guys are there just, like, soaking it up, and like, oh, yeah, oh, that's right, Isaiah did write that. Oh, that's right, Zechariah did write that. Oh, right, yeah, and Hosea and in Amos, oh, yeah, right, King David wrote this. Oh, yeah, in the Psalms, he's just putting all the pieces together, but they don't know it's him yet, Right? Verse 28, so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. It's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem. So they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered, saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he appeared to Simon. And then they told all that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So these were true disciples. They weren't filled with doubts that needed to be answered. They needed Jesus to speak the scripture to them and remind them. And they needed to break bread and have in communion, celebration, do this in remembrance of me. That reminded them, like, right, that's probably most of us. 
We get distant from the Lord. We go doing our own thing. We get busy. We get distracted. We get overwhelmed. We do this. We need Jesus to like pull us back and be like, you remember? You remember that stuff we talked about? Come break bread together. Like, yeah, we're in our hearts burning. That's what they need. They needed the word of God to be a reminder. They needed the son of God to break bread with them. They believed, Mary believed, Thomas believed, but each of us needs something different. And Jesus meets each of them where they're at, but he meets them with this kind of like unexpected arrival. He didn't look the same. He came back different. If there's anything that I can urge us to not miss is the opportunity to come back different. You have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where the world has been reset in like very fundamental ways. You don't have to go back. I don't have to go back to doing things the way I did. I get to choose right now what I'm going to do. If my life was filled with way too many kids and sports and activities so I never had a minute to breathe, I get to pick, well, which ones am I going to resume? Which one did I like best? Which one was life-giving? Which one did God favor and just seem like, oh, he's bearing fruit and this is family time? And which ones were just exhausting and prevented us from doing outreach, prevented us from doing family get-togethers, prevented us from getting to church on Sunday mornings, prevented us from spending time at home as a family, right? Choose. Pick what you're going to opt back into. There's so few times in life where you get to stop everything and pick. Once you get into stuff, you're just kind of locked into it, right? You get into a house and then you're locked into a mortgage or you get into a job and then you just get into the grind because it's the same old, same old. You start sports with kids, you get into activities and it just goes. No one ever lets you off the hook. You committed, you better be there. And then you add one more thing. Well, you're committed, you better be there. Next thing you know, we're overcommitted and we don't back out. You have a get out of jail free card. Use it. It's probably once in a lifetime. I can't imagine Lord willing, God favor us, please, that there's no other time where the entire world stops and where for a year you've proven that we can live without all the things we were doing before. And now we come back, we get to choose what we're going to do now. Just choose wisely. You know, sometimes college students have a chance to do this. They're like starting over again in a new place with new people. You get to reinvent yourself a little bit. And all those like inside jokes from childhood, all those people that either teased you or best friend, it all just goes away. You restart. But as adults, we never get that chance. You're in it, you're locked in, and then you just go. And you go and you go and you go and, and kids grow and kids move out and we get like just go. But everything stopped. So up until this point, we all had a built-in excuse. You know, life is busy. After this, you do not. You have no excuse for what you choose to become busy with again. I have no excuse. Don't complain about being busy after this because you decided to restart all that stuff. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't do this, I can't do this. Oh, you chose not to do that? Oh. You know, because we actually are choosing right now. And for some of us who have already kind of like gotten back into some of the grind, just recognize all that time before you restarted, the world went on just fine without us. Life went on just fine. There were some moments that were great and some moments that were depressing and some moments that were happy. But like life continued. We can't live without all those things. Those aren't the thing. The thing is, do you love God and do you love your neighbor? Are you right with God? Are you living a life that's full of joy versus just overburdened with a crazy world that will just suck you dry and then you feel exhausted and your marriage suffers and your relationships suffer and your faith suffers? 
We're not going to have an excuse after this because right now, this exact moment, the entire world is choosing what sort of life they're going to step back into. So just pick an amazing one. Pick an amazing life. What are the things you always wish you had time to do? Put them in first. Big stuff first. And then see what you got room for. You know, there's an old church expression of the things that we give to God. Your time, your treasure, and your talents. They're like the three categories of things that we share and interact with that God, our time, our treasure, and our talents, and how you use those things shows like what a steward you are. Do you steward well the time you have? God's given you a certain amount of hours in life. What are you going to do with them? So how are you going to choose to spend your time? Don't do what we've been doing with our time for the last year. And don't go back to what you did with your time before. Decide. Budget your time. Put it on a piece of paper and make a pie and slice it up into like 10 or 15 little segments. What goes in? What doesn't make the cut? That's our choice. We get to do it. Because if you live your life the way Jesus came out in joy, people are going to look at you like, what happened to you? Instead of, oh, wow, it's kind of nice having that break from all those things we had for the year. You know, just being at home, watching every show on Netflix and uh, just... You know, it was great, but now i got to get back to kids and school, and there's pickups and drop-offs, and, you know, there's overtime at work now. It's nice being laid off and getting paid for that whole time, but, you know, now i got to work. Like, what? That's the life you're going to choose for yourself when you've been given a clean slate? As we get older, don't we all say, I wish I knew when I was young the things I know now because I would make different decisions? Well, you get that. You know what you know now, and you get to pick. So use all the wisdom that you've accumulated, even if it's just like a tiny bit. Put it into practice. Because you can. You just can. I want to rise like Jesus did. I want us to come alive, not just straggling and scrabbling our way out of the dirt. It's been hard. It's been a crazy year and, and devastating even in some ways. But hasn't God been good? Can I get an amen for that? Amen. God's been good this year too, right? Good. Some of those times you complained about being locked in the house together are like family time that we'll never experience again. And there were some beautiful moments in there, in between the screaming and the fighting and the hitting and the like, right? So like there were some beautiful moments. They're not coming back in that same way, most likely. So let's learn from that and be like, well, I want more of that. So pick it. You got a clean slate. Do whatever you want. Right? That's just the opportunity. And I think for us, it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really rise, to rise from the ashes, to rise from the dead. And I pray that you will look like Jesus when you do. I'm going to close with one scripture which we know very well. It's from Matthew chapter 13, and it's a challenge for all of us here, but an encouragement. It's an encouragement and a challenge both. I think I'll ask the music team if you'll come forward. We'll read this last scripture. And then we will close with a song and go on our way rejoicing as we dance out of the tomb together. Matthew 13. Starting with verse 1. Matthew 13, 1. So that same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. He told them many things in parables saying this, a sower went out to sow. The farmer goes out to plant his seeds. Now as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, 
and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no roots, they withered away. Now other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and they produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you get it? Does everyone here get that? I don't really need to even explain it. Do you get it? What are you sowing? What's growing? What kind of soil are you? You have a chance to just, the, the soil laid fallow for a year or more. What are you going to plant? What kind of soil are you going to be? What's going to grow? So Jesus explains it. He says, listen to what this means. When anyone hears these words of the kingdom, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is love. He loves you. Repent, be forgiven, and live eternally. The good news, right? When anyone hears that, Jesus loves them and loves the world, but doesn't understand it, this is when the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed that's sown along the path. Now, as for the seed that's sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. So he endures for a while, but when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This has happened to some during this time. Church is fun, church is great, faith is great, whatever, and then trouble, trouble, trouble. No church, no faith, no Bible, no podcast, no video sermons, no nothing. Just like shut down, God, where are you when I need you? It's an option. Some people have taken it. You could take it. Maybe we've even fallen into it sometimes, but it's not where this parable is going. It's not what God wants for us. To be excited for a minute and then when life gets hard, to quit on God. He's not quitting on us, so we want to be one of these last two soils. And really, the only one that has hope for us is the last one. But the third one, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but... I hope you know what comes next. I hope you know this well enough to just know the thoughts that come next, because this is our biggest danger. In our country, with our level of wealth and healthiness and safety, and security, and luxury, and entertainment. This is our biggest danger. Most will just fall into this category. So I hope you know what the thorns represent. And if you don't, please listen so that you would memorize this. As for the, what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, like all the worries, there's so much going on, what's going on with the, with the stock market, and what's going on with the virus, and what's going on with politics, and what's going on with countries and, and nations, like, right, the, there are legitimate cares in the world. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm not going to be able to put food on the table. I don't know. What if I lost my job? I lost my job. How am I going to find a job? What are we going to be able to do? I can't afford to get kids to college. What? The money in the savings is going down, down, down because I haven't been working, right? Riches, money. So world troubles, legitimate things, and money troubles, legitimate things. In this case, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. Choke it out. That little bit of faith that we have, oh, it's just too hard. Life is too hard. Where is God when I need him? What if? What if this doesn't happen? What if this does happen? gets choked out. 
happens to us all the time. Well-meaning, well-intentioned, beautiful people who do love God just getting choked out so you can't bear any fruit. Don't let your worrying preoccupy 75% of all your thinking time. That just choked out 75% of the time that you could be active in the world, loving people, growing yourself, or just living in peace. It's choking out your thought life. Chokes out our time, our treasure, our talents. Where do we spend our money? Where do we use our gifts? You got to tie these things. You get to choose. Don't get choked out. Now is your opportunity to decide. We want to be like this last seed in the last soil. So I'll read this and we'll close in prayer. Please crave this. I want to crave this. Crave this with me. Matthew 13, 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and he understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and he yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60 and another 30. And we come out of the tomb barren fruit, filled with joy, but the kind of people like, what happened to you? Instead of, what happened to you? Right? We're coming out changed one way or the other, but you actually get to choose what this next stage of life will look like. Just choose it for God. Choose it for life. Choose it for loving your neighbors. Choose it for being committed with other Christians who will nurture you. Don't go out on your own. Don't get over busy. Don't get over worry. Don't overeat, don't overdrink, don't over-isolate. Just come back to the life that you think God is calling you to. And it may look different for all of us. Awesome. Let God tell you. But come back to what Jesus is calling you to. Don't just press resume and we're back playing the old records, back playing the old tapes, we're just doing the same thing all the time. Nope, don't do it. Please, for your sake, come back alive after this. Just come back alive. Let's close in prayer. Let's pray, folks. Father God, you love us. You know us. You're going to help us when we do fall over and when we fall down, when we trip, when we stumble. But your grace is sufficient. Your power is made perfect in our weakness. So even that, you can work with, Father. Just let us be willing. Give us willing hearts to seek after you. Please, please, please ask your blessing on each person here, each student going back into school. Help them to know which friends to re-engage with which ones to leave alone, and how to change. For employees going back into workplaces, help them to know which relationships to resume and to go deeper with and which ones were not good for them in the first place and to stay away from. For every moment we spend worrying about our health and our, mo our money and our, our country and our world, Father, give us a thousand moments where we're thankful for your love and your eternal kingdom, not just the world that we're living in right now. So I ask your blessing on each of us. Please inspire us for what it will look like and then give us courage to hang in there. Please give us endurance and give us faithfulness and give us a fresh start this spring. Help us to come alive. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.